You know, you can draw a straight line from those shenanigans to the stuff that was being pulled at Bayer and at AIG and all this derivative market stuff. John, don't you want guys like me who have been in it to show the shenanigans? What else can I do? I mean, last no, night's no, show... No, 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 I want desperately for that. But I feel like that's not what we're getting. What we're getting is, listen, you knew what the banks were doing, and yet we're touting it for months and months. The entire network was. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson, visiting Washington, D.C. And I'm Alex Bloomberg, also visiting in Washington, D.C. And I'm David Kestenbaum, always in Washington, D.C. And we are all here, the three gentlemen of Planet Money, <laughs> um, because we have spent today meeting with a variety of lobbyists and industry groups and others. Government people. Government people, lots of folks on Capitol Hill, just trying to get a sense of, well... I've, I've had this feeling up in New York that there's like this secret world in Washington, D.C., where everyone knows what's <laughs> happening, what the Treasury plan is, how and, bank regulations could be rewritten. And Dave just doesn't tell us about it. And Dave yeah. just refuses. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. yeah. You just wanted to secrecy. So, boys, we've, we've spent the day meeting with lots and lots of people. Um, I, I, I guess we're not the only ones who don't know what's going on. Huh? Yeah, or, or they just refuse to tell us where the secret clubhouse is. But <laughs> right. they did not tell us. We did go in a lot of clubhouses. Today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the big message we got is, is first of all, there isn't a lot of people don't know what's happening, what the Treasury is doing, exactly what their long term strategy is. I think it's pretty safe to say that the many people we've talked to today did not feel that they have any idea what the Treasury's overall strategy is or how the very rules of banking will be rewritten. But they do expect the biggest transformation of the rules of banking and the rules of our financial system in anyone's living memory. And no one's quite sure exactly what that's going to look like. Right. And that is a uh, fine segue to our planet money indicator, uh, which is the number zero, a very definite zero. Yes, this is zero. There's no ambiguity about it. That is the amount of money that Ken Lewis, the head of Bank of America, says he plans to take from the U.S. government from now on. <laughs> is he paying interest on that zero? <laughs> from now on, <laughs> from now on being the operative uh, phrase. There. Right, exactly. He says, we don't need any more money from the government. We are solid and strong. And that is not a good segue to actually what we're going to spend the whole of our podcast talking about today, which is uh, basically sort of how to start your own Ponzi scheme. The uh, the big story yesterday it was uh, Bernard Madoff pleading guilty. He, he could get up to uh, 150 years in jail. Probably Hooray. unnecessary since he's 70, I think, right? Um, but today here on the podcast, we are going to defend Bernie Madoff. Oh, come on. You can't defend Bernie Madoff. The, the yeah, we don't even have to say the alleged... Right, he's schemer. He's, but, he's the actual convicted, guilty, pled schemer, and everybody know. knows he's a monster. It says so on the cover of <laughs> New York Magazine. I and, know, but but look, here's the thing that bugs me, right? Like, you know, one is this idea that it's a fifty billion dollar Ponzi scheme, right? We read that everywhere, uh, or even after those 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 recent court filings re, uh, this week, a sixty five billion dollar Ponzi scheme, right? And it seems to me that that is just the wrong way to add it up. I think the real number, if you add things up properly is a lot lower. Now, David, Yeah, I have heard you on this very podcast on which we are now speaking 
say that it is a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. You said <laughs> that those words. I know. I, I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you that I think I was wrong. And look, you don't have to believe me. I talked to Harvey Pitt. He is the former chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission. That That's correct. Um, I think that number is badly inflated. See? Sort of, <laughs> but maybe we should play it out. Well, first of all, I think it's very, uh, very big of you to admit that you've made a mistake. But I think we should actually play this out maybe with real money. Okay. All right, yeah, go. let's figure out how a Ponzi scheme, how you add up the dollars. Okay, so I, I, I get to be made off here. Perhaps, um, you guys with a patented planet money radio dramatization. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, you guys get to be uh, my, my my golf buddies, I guess, right? Okay. Sure. All right. And you each have, what do you have right now? You actually went to the bank. This is no joke yeah. to make this dramatization more effective and got $200 in tens. I have 10 of those tens. So we each have $100. Okay. So Alex, you have 100 bucks in tens. Adam, you have 100 bucks in tens. And I start with uh, nothing except, of course, my charming personality. Which so, on a mark-to-market basis which worth about $4. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so Alex and I are, are we're on the golf course, and I say, Hey, Alex, look, we've known each other a long time. If you give me 100 bucks, I bet I can earn you 10% a year. Gee, I don't know, Dave. Uh... Look, come on. Look, just give it a try. If it doesn't work, you can take your money out at any time. Any time? Yeah, any time. Trust me. Try it. All right, here you go. I'm going to give you $100, and I'm going to count it very audibly. Okay. Right. 100 right there. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. All right, so now a year goes by, and Alex, I am sending you, I send you a statement in the mail that says, hey, we had a great year as I expected, and your, and your account, you now have $110. That is fantastic, because you know what? I need... $10 right now for some new golf balls because, you know, you and I are golf buddies. Right. So um, can I have that $10? Yeah, here's your $10 interest payment, just as I promised. Great. Awesome. But Dave? Yeah? I'm just watching you. You, you just gave me back one of the 10s I just gave you a year ago. <laughs> you only have $90 left now. Look, just look at the statement I sent you, okay? It's on nice, thick, high-quality paper. It's got that fancy logo on it. Oh, yeah. Dave, uh, David Kestenbaum Security Investment corp yeah come um, on, man. We're, we're old friends i went to your wedding all right okay sure whatever that's it you've got your fancy accountants doing your accounting that's fine then right okay so this goes on for a few years and every year alex wants his ten dollars that i earned him there you go that's all right thank you uh and he just and you know the, takes the that years the years proceeding the leaves proceeding and uh yeah you know <laughs> I, I also pay myself handsome you know pretty handsomely maybe okay I'll take uh, 40 bucks here for myself, build myself a nice house. Uh, and pretty soon I run into a problem. Here, Alex, another year, another year, another year, another year. After six years, I've given Alex back 60 bucks. I've taken 40 for myself, and now I'm out of money. And another year passes. Hey, Dave. Uh, it's uh, seven years into our relationship, into our financial relationship, and I'd like my $10 annual return. Hey, Adam. Oh, hey, David. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> hey, how would you like to invest some money with Kestenbaum Securities? You can talk to Alex. He'll tell you what a good job I've done. Dude, this guy is great. I've been getting 10% every single year. That is amazing. You've been talking about it for a long time. Actually, to be honest with you, I've been desperate to get into Kestenbaum Securities. I've heard it's just a locked-in 10% annual return. Here... Is my hundred dollars? All right, thank you, dude. You won't regret this. Oh, I'm psyched. Okay, Alex, you wanted uh, you want your ten dollar payment. <laughs> now, now oh, I have you. it for you. Yeah. See? 
So this goes on. High five. All right. <laughs> All right. This goes on. Every year I send you guys financial statements saying, hey, we had another great year. I earned you guys another 10%. And Alex, being Alex, takes out his interest every year. So, Alex, I'm giving you these 10s. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, don't give me 10, David. Yeah. Just keep it. Let it grow. Let it grow. Compound interest. Okay. Okay. Great, you know, great some, decision. Sometimes I think I should be doing that, but I just need the money. All right, Alex, here. I keep giving you a look. At, it's just, this is just amazing, isn't it? Okay. So, so this actually works really well for another eight, there, nine years. All right. Or, or 10 years. Uh, and then the stock market takes a plunge. Hey, Dave. Yeah. Hey, um, you know how the market did really badly. Um, I have some debts. I really need that hundred bucks back, my principal. And actually, you know, I've made a lot of money, a ten percent compounded over ten years. So it's got to be whatever three hundred bucks or something. I, I really yeah, need two hundred something on the statement. I just sent you. Yeah, that. yeah. I need that right now. Uh, why don't you just actually ride this out? Look, I've never steered you wrong. No, no, no. You've been fabulous, but I, I have this dollhouse I want to buy. <laughs> it's actually a really good dollhouse, and uh, and this is where the whole thing falls apart because I am actually. Uh, out of out of money at this point. So the question is, though, how big a Ponzi scheme was this? I mean, what dollar amount do you put on it? And see, from my perspective, is it wasn't that bad um, because Dave, you are to me a brilliant investor. <laughs> I gave you a hundred dollars, and over the years, I've taken out. I'm counting it right here. I have $160 in my hand right now. That's all the money that I've received in the 16 years since we've been in business together, right? Right. And it's true that my statement says I still have $100 invested with you, and I'm not getting that back, I know, because you've now been revealed to be a fraud. But <laughs> I kind of love this Ponzi scheme because I have made quite a bit of money. Right. So you do it again. I yeah, do it but again. can I just say yeah. I totally disagree. I think this Ponzi <laughs> scheme really is a really bad Ponzi scheme, and I think you are a total crook. I prefer the term redistributor. See, Alex ended up okay. Yeah, but that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> I did not sign up for giving Alex and you my money. I signed up for me having more money. I invested. Have you ever heard the word invested? It means yeah. you make money on your money. $100, my statement that I got month after month, year after year, said I have something like $260 in David Kestenbaum Securities. And now I have nothing. I'm, I'm really pissed at you. Okay, so the point of this is actually, Adam, Adam, your really angry accounting method there, that is what everyone means when they say it's a $60 billion Ponzi scheme. Because if I look at the court documents here, it says that just before everything fell apart, it says Madoff sent out these account statements to something like 4,000, more than 4,000 people. And the statement said that they had... Uh, the total amount on the statements was a collective $60 billion. And we do know that that was total fiction. That that number did not represent anything real. In fact, a lot of that number is the reason it's so high is because Madoff had been saying, I'm getting these amazing returns. So they thought that they were owed $60 billion, just like I think you owe me $260. I feel like I have lost $260 because that's what was on my statement. But I've only given you $100. Right. So actually to dramatize the kind of absurdity of using that number to to label the Ponzi scheme, I played uh, the $50 billion number or $60 billion number. I played this game with, with Harvey Pitt, the former chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Do you, do you have a dollar bill in your pocket or something? I do. Can, give it to me for a second. No, I have a ten. Oh, okay, you have a ten dollar bill. Yeah. Okay, so so I have a great. I'm a very smart investor. I'm going to take your money and I'm going to actually turn this ten dollars into sixty five uh, billion dollars. Uh, it sounds like a phenomenal 
deal. Okay, so I go and I actually go just go buy a couple cups of coffee and I don't invest your money. Um, but I send you a statement saying that I earned you $65 billion. Is that now? Have I conducted a $65 billion fraud? Is that a fair way to, to add it up? No. I, I would say um, in that circumstance, um, you conducted a fraud um, that is probably north of $10. And, and the reason I say it's north of $10 um, you've clearly taken my $10, but you now hold on to that money. And all during the time you hold on to that money, I could have been investing it in something legitimate. So it's not fair to say that the only thing you've stolen from me is my $10. You've stolen both my $10 and a rational amount of money I could have made had I actually invested it in a legitimate operation. And and so I would claim that that's Maybe that's a $12 fraud. I don't know. But, it, but it's, it's more than a $10 fraud. So what dollar figure would he, Harvey Pitt, place on the Madoff Ponzi scheme? Uh, he said, you know, you can't really know until some more information comes out in court. But he thinks it's going to be way, way less than $60 billion. But it's not going to be like $50. It's going to be a lot yeah, of still, money. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be billions of dollars, right? And the other thing that I want to say here, and I and I, I know we're getting to, like, I know that you're not actually defending Bernie Madoff. You're just, you're just sort of... I'm to, clarifying why we hate him. You're <laughs> clarifying why he hate him, which is because he literally took Adam's money and gave it to me. So, and took some for himself. So he stole it. He just didn't steal it all for himself. Right. I mean, I think when people hear $60 billion, they think, oh, Madoff took $60 billion. And, you know, he took, I don't know, you know, maybe a billion or something, right, money. But he didn't steal the whole thing. And I think, you know, part of why people are so angry is that he stole money, but, you know, but he lied. Like, mm-hmm. he what, people understand investing with something and the investment going bad, but, you know, he broke the rules, right? You but know, it's not bad. It's the, people are <laughs> mad because of the, the stealing. I mean, I gave... $100 to you. And so I am pissed because I don't have that $100. If I hadn't given you the $100, I could have I could have put it in the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we should probably point out that Madoff was charged with uh, with 11 felony charges, uh, securities fraud, investment advisor fraud, mail fraud, wire fraud, three counts of money f- laundering, false statements, perjury, false filings with the SEC, and theft from an employee benefit plan. <laughs> All right. So I am a thief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I'd say that is roughly the weakest defense <laughs> right. of a major criminal I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, but I didn't steal all of it's like saying yeah. It's like saying, I'm not a genocidal murderer. I'm a mass murderer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, hey, David. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been asking everyone. We have this new thing this week. We are asking everyone, who do they blame on the crisis? And um, I'm curious, did you ask Harvey Pitt who he blames for the Madoff scandal? I did, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he blames Madoff. But also, and this is even though Pitt ran the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is the organization charged with looking into these kinds of things. And, you know, there's a Securities and Exchange Commission that he loves, and he thinks they do a lot of things well. He does say they, they totally screwed this up. Actually, he didn't say that at first. At first, he called it a, a human failure. I can't explain why, particularly after Markopoulos wrote his letter, um, they didn't find um, uh, this fraud themselves. But 
they didn't. I don't think it was due to venality or corruption. There, there are people I think who would call – I mean you're calling it human failure. There are people who would just call that incompetence, you know. Well um, – I mean, if I were the FBI or some prosecutor or, you know, as a journalist, if someone comes to me with something like that, like, you know, I feel like this could be a big fish here and, you know, and I would really go after it. And it doesn't seem like they did that. Like, how do you understand that, right? There was somebody who had that letter, that really compelling compelling letter from Markopoulos in front of them, probably a bunch of people who read it, right? And they went and asked, uh, you know, made off what was going on, presumably, right? And they just, it looks like they couldn't have pushed very far. Um, I don't, you know, again, I don't know all the facts. It's impossible to read Markopoulos' letter. It's very hard to read that letter and understand uh, why people would be satisfied with um, any responses from uh, Madoff or his strip mall accounting firm and instead – uh, wouldn't have um, really uh, dug in deeply to find out what assets there there really were and the like. I, and um, we we just don't know yet how that happened. But this was a badly botched um, set of situations, and it wasn't just once. It was ninety two, uh, ninety nine. 2005, 2006, that's um, at least four separate occasions. Um, And there were also uh, written uh, articles uh, writing about it. And uh, as has now turned out, there were a lot of people who refused to invest with Madoff because they didn't believe him. So um, the, um, the evidence of misconduct was available. It didn't get Uh, ferreted out and the wrong conclusions were reached and that is simply terrible and is not something that can be allowed to exist in the future i mean we're we are where we are but this is there is no way to phrase this other than to say it is hideous Yeah. yeah right and we are going to be spending a lot of the next few weeks, as we keep saying, looking at at who's to blame. One group, by the way, uh, this is something I found very interesting today, that does not feel they are to blame and is very angry for being treated like they are to blame is small community banks. Right. They are one group of really, really frustrated, angry people because they say, we didn't do the mortgage-backed stuff. We didn't sell all these toxic assets. Most of us didn't buy any toxic assets. We've just been doing what every bank has been doing for hundreds of years. But unfortunately, we're called banks and people hate banks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody's blaming it on the banks, but it's not us, right? It's the big banks. And, and, and I don't think banks. I quite understood how much little banks hate big banks these days. Right. It's fascinating. All right. I think that does it for today. Make sure to go to our blog, npr.org slash money, where we have an exclusive interview with our very own Jim Zaroli, who is down at the Bernie Madoff Circus in, uh, in Manhattan. I'm David Kestenbaum. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Adam Davidson. Thank you for listening. 